Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for Scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today it's part one of the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hello, everybody. We're here tonight to study John chapter 10. Now, we have been counting I am statements in John's gospel, and there are seven total. And we have I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Tonight, we're getting two more. I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. And don't we love the good shepherd? Because shepherding imagery has always been a crucial role for God's people throughout all the scriptures. And as a nomadic tribe, as a nomadic people, they traveled. And sheep could travel. Sheep travel well. And sheep produce milk and cheese and meat. So they're really good to have along. And for a holy people, sheep provide sacrifice for God. So Abraham, the father of our faith, had flocks of sheep, numerous sheep. Isaac, his son too, was a shepherd, and his son, Jacob, was also a shepherd, and he met Rachel while watering sheep at Jacob's well. And you'll remember, he rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and he watered his flock, and then his mother's brother's flock, that was Uncle Laban, remember him? And Jacob kissed Rachel there at that well and just wept out loud. I love that. After Jacob had already worked for 14 years for Laban to get two of his daughters, remember, Leah and Rachel, Rachel had just given birth to Joseph, and they wanted to start off on their own and leave Laban. And Jacob asked Laban for his back wages. And Laban was kind of conniving, a little bit shady, a little bit deceptive. And he didn't want to be the first to suggest what his wages should be, his back wages. And so uh, Jacob put forth a suggestion. And he said, how about I take the future speckled and spotted lambs and goats and all the brown sheep? And Laban's thinking, oh, yeah, that would be great because we don't have many speckled, spotted, or streaked sheep. And, and, and that would be great. There's very few of those. That's a great deal. They shook on it. They made covenant. Well, Jacob knew, and he told Rachel, I have an idea. I'm going to take these poplar rods, and I'm going to strip the bark off them, and we're going to put them in the water when the sheep come to drink, because he was a very, very knowledgeable man about animal husbandry, because he'd been around breeding sheep all his life, and he knew exactly what he was doing. So he puts these sticks in front of them, these black and these striped sticks, And what he's doing is he's selectively breeding for stronger animals by doing this. That'll put them into heat. And so he wants to produce animals, so he doesn't do it for any but the speckled. When the speckled one comes to the water, he puts the poles in. And they start breeding. And they breed, and they breed, and they breed. And there's a name for them. To this day, they're called Jacob's sheep. And they're speckled like this. And he made a lot of them. He became exceedingly prosperous with large, numerous flocks. And Laban and his sons got very jealous. And they said, Dad, look, he's getting all these sheep. They're all being born speckled or spotted. What's happening? And during the mating of the flock, Jacob had a dream. And he saw that the male goats had leaped upon the flock. And they were striped and speckled and mottled. And the angel of God said, Jacob. And he said, Here I am, Lord. 
And he said, look up and see that all the goats that leap on the flock are striped and speckled and mottled. I've seen what Laban's doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow for me. Now leave this land at once and return to the land of your birth. So at that point, Jacob and Rachel and all his family took all the speckled spotted sheep and left. And guess what? Speckled spotted sheep still give really good milk and cheese and mutton. Uh, Another great shepherd in the Bible is Moses. He's the next one who is a shepherd. After he has killed an Egyptian, he has to flee to Midian. Remember that? And he is defending the life of Zipporah where? At a well. She's watering her flock, her father's flock. And so Jethro becomes his father-in-law, and he becomes a shepherd, and he is out grazing sheep when he sees the most unlikely sight in the distance, a tree that is burning that will not be consumed. And he comes to look at the tree, and it's the living God who introduces himself to him, I am. And God made Moses eventually a shepherd, not of just sheep, but over 2.5 plus million Israelites. And uh, when it was time for Moses to die, he knew he needed to anoint another shepherd. And he said, I need someone who shall go out before them and come in before them and who shall lead them out and bring them in so that they will be a congregation of the Lord and they won't be like sheep without a shepherd. Now, God made Joshua the next shepherd over Israel, who one who would go out before them and come in before them and one who would lead them and bring them in. A shepherd was extremely, extremely important. Otherwise, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Is that such a big deal? Can't they get along without a shepherd? No. How much do sheep really need a shepherd? And this will help open up this passage for you, I hope. Um, they get in a lot of trouble. They get in very precarious situations. So many did I see that had their head stuck in a hole or in a fence. They get their head poked through and then they can't get out until a shepherd comes and frees them by either cutting the wire or help guiding them out, especially if they have horns. So they have to be saved by a shepherd. They get stuck in all types of precarious situations. These guys had the water come up and they're trapped and they don't know what to do and they'll just stand there forever until a shepherd comes. And this guy was eating in a bucket of grain and gets it stuck on his head and he walks around for how many hours until the shepherd finds him. This one's fallen into a hole. He cannot get out. He will freeze overnight if a shepherd doesn't come and help him. Uh, This one was grazing, ate grass, 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 and then the grass puts off a gas in their stomach, and their stomachs can actually implode and explode. Uh, They cannot get turned back over. If they're on their back and they're full, they often can't get flipped back over unless a shepherd comes. There were many pictures of sheep lying on their backs that couldn't get flipped. They need a shepherd. They get in tight situations. This one got lost for many, 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 many years. And he's a lost sheep and he wandered off and he ate and ate and never got groomed and never got trimmed and, and sheared. Here's another one in Australia that was lost for years and then found. They're, they can't do anything. So the shepherd would carry a rod and it was often made of oak wood and sometimes it had nails in it so they could protect, they could use that to protect against other wild animals that wanted to prey on their sheep. A shepherd might have to deter wolves, lions, bears, panthers, and other thieves, robbers, from attacking his flock. Many predators are looking for a sheep, especially in isolation. If one gets away from the flock, and they often do because they're brambling around, they're going from bramble to bramble, 
they're eating whatever they can find and they just wander off and before they look around and, and there's no one around and they're alone <laughs> and they're isolated and right then a wolf can come and snatch them. That is such an easy time to get stolen away in isolation. Remember that because what I'd like you to do this next week is pray with this chapter and really pray with this and see how these fit into your spiritual life. A good shepherd also has a sling, and he's prolific with his sling. And I mean, they get really, really good at using a sling. And they have a little pouch of stones, and they can take their sling, and, and they can knock off a predator in a hurry. A stone also can be used if some are lagging behind. He'll, he'll do his sling and, and startle the sheep, and oh, they'll get up in line. You know, they'll hurry back up into the flock. If one's going the wrong direction, they take out their sling, get it startled and, and, and get it back to the flock. A good shepherd watches every single sheep. He does not want them getting in isolation. David was a shepherd, greatest king in Israel. But when he was a little boy, he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the wadi. He put them in his shepherd bag in a pouch. His sling was in his hand and he drew near the Philistine giant Goliath. You remember this story from your childhood. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He was only a youth, ready and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, am I a, to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine said to David, he, he was cursing David by his gods. And the Philistine said, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the field. And David said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. And this very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. <laughs> and I will give the dead body of the Philistine army to this very day to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the earth so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly may know that the Lord does not save by swords and spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand, said David to the Philistine. Took his sling and right in the forehead, dead. Amazing. Blessed be the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, the one true God of Israel. So a shepherd has to stay alert at all times and be very vigilant. Ezekiel talks about a custom of the sheep passing under the shepherd's rod as he counted them. So shepherds know how many are in their flock and everyone must be accounted for at night. And they go under the rod and he counts and he counts and he counts and he counts. Some shepherds say they know without counting. They can just look at their flock and absolutely know if one's missing. This is uh, where we get the phrase <laughs> counting sheep. But sheep reverse it and they count humans. Now in Leviticus... One-tenth of everything was to be tithed to the Lord. And even the sheep, all tithes of the herd and flock, every tenth one that passes under the shepherd's rod shall be holy unto the Lord. So as they're going into the pen, it's time for an animal sacrifice every tenth to the Lord. The staff with a crook is different than a staff than a rod. So if it had a crook on it, it was used to help guide the sheep or to hook them and keep them out of danger. Psalm 23 says, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These were great comfort to the sheep. The shepherd always had his rod and staff nearby. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I fear no evil because you're there with your staff. This sheep is in big trouble. 
and, and he comes with his hook, and he can hook him and bring him in. They go in crevasses and cracks. They fall down caverns. And they're hard. They get in tight spots, and the shepherd can use that crook. So a good shepherd keeps that very near. The psalm says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So a good shepherd is always there for his sheep, always, knowing right where they are, ready to help them, ready to care for them, no matter what, no matter where. Now, oil is extremely important to a shepherd. And you might not have known this, but they had oil on them at all times. The psalm says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What does that mean in sheep talk? Well, sheep get scraped up, especially in the Middle East. There's lots of rocks. They get scraped. They get cut. They get bruised. They get in a thorn bush, and they get all cut up. And a shepherd anoints them. He takes out his oil and anoints the scratch, the bruise, the scrape. Young lambs can get really sunburned because they're brand new baby skin in that hot Middle Eastern sun. Their skin can't take it yet, and they get very sunburned. So the shepherd's oil can soothe the burned skin of a baby lamb. So olive oil is what they used. It was a soothing balm, and the shepherd always had it on hand. Now, I want to tell you, this is a very real thing. It's a sheep scab itch mite, and it's a six-legged parasite. kind of looks like a tick. They're very dangerous to sheep, and they're very difficult to detect. You can't tell. The prevalence is not known. And they're very, very small to the naked eye. And they live in the surface of the sheep's skin, and they cause intense irritation and scratching. And, and the sheep will rub up against a, a, a tree or a branch, and their fleece gets severely damaged by this mite. And when your sheep start to get it, you'll see the damage in their coats, in their fur, and it's pretty easy to spot. But you want to get it fast, and you want to get it early, because it makes them lose wool, bleed, scab, and they start losing weight, and it's very, extremely contagious. It's called scab, and it's still a problem today. It can infect the entire flock because it spreads like wildfire. It's contagious. You have to prevent it really, really first. Prevention is way better than trying to cure it because sheep live in really close proximity, so they're all huddled in together, and these parasites go from one sheep to the next to the next, and if they nuzzle their heads together like they like to do, it jumps onto their neck and then onto the neck, and it just can wipe out an entire flock. Very dangerous. What's the antidote? Oil. Really, oil. So the shepherd always had a ram's horn full of oil with a stopper on the end. Here's a ram's horn. When those would fall off, they'd fill that up with oil, put a plug on the end, and they'd always have oil. For scab disease, the shepherd needed olive oil with sulfur in it and spices. And if he put that on the sheep at the earliest sign, that oil would suffocate the parasite so it couldn't breathe and kill it and nip it in the bud. But if you let it go... The whole flock can be wiped out. So shepherds must be vigilant to the health of every single sheep. And today what they do is dip the sheep in chemicals. And they, they hate it. They hate to go under the water. They put this chemical dip on every sheep. All have to go all the way down under the water. So in New Zealand, they've made spray dip things now where they can be sprayed with the chemicals. But it's to keep this parasite off. It's a constant problem. Also, the nasal bot fly is a huge problem problem for sheep. It's a parasitic larva of another fly. It's called the nasal bot fly. And did you know I was an old biology teacher? <laughs> I love stuff like this. And I know you read about it in biology, but there's a shepherd named Philip Keller 
who wrote this book about sheep, and he is a true shepherd, and he explains that sheep get especially troubled by the nose fly. They buzz about the sheep's head. They attempt to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. If successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. And then they work, the larvae work their way up into the nasal passage of the sheep's head and irritate and inflame the head of the sheep. Now, can you imagine, here's the, here's the, you remember learning this in biology, 10th grade? This is the life cycle of the larvae and the sheep is the host. Remember that? And once the larvae mature, they can be sneezed out by the sheep. But for a while, the sheep is very uncomfortable and the head swells. The larvae are up in the mucous membrane. I even did a cross section for you. (laughs) Some can get it. Some of these larvae that are living in there can get as much as four centimeters. Okay, but listen to this, but. If oil is applied to the sheep's head and nose, then the flies never get the chance to implant those irritating eggs. So a good shepherd gets out his oil again. You've got to have that oil. The oil is crucial to a shepherd to stop this. So good shepherds always had oil. They'd always carry it on their person. Now, think about this. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were all fishermen. And when Christ called them in the gospel, he said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Okay. But then at the end of John's gospel, he's going to say, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. It's sheep talk. It's not a fisherman. He's making them a shepherd. What? Peter is made shepherd, the first shepherd by the risen Lord with authority from God the Father. And as the first bishop of Rome, he's going to teach as a rabbi. He's going to have a chair, an official chair for teaching. Moses had a seat where he would teach. We know that Jesus gave Peter the keys to his kingdom in Matthew chapter 16. And he also told him in John, when you grow old, Peter, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else is going to fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not want to go. And that was to an upside down crucifixion on a cross at the order of Nero. He was our first bishop. Bishops are still shepherds today. They have a staff with a crozier on top, a shepherd's staff. (laughs) And they're all different and they're all beautiful. But you studied tonight how the bishop has a significant responsibility. His authority is great. His teaching office is great. And he will be held to a high responsibility, which is why we really, 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 really need to pray for our bishops. Here's another Omaha native, Bishop Supich, now Cardinal Archbishop of Chicago, holding his staff. The psalmist David prayed in Psalm 23. There's Cardinal Dolan. He prayed, their rod and their staff comfort us. Their teaching should comfort us. They should tell us the truth without reserve, and it should be a comfort to the people because we're sheep. We're dumb sheep. We wander off here. We wander off here. We eat this. We eat that. We don't know what to do. We get lost. We get isolated. We get picked off by other enemies in the world, the culture. And when there's disease in the flock, when there's sin in the flock, a good shepherd has to dip it quick. Because it's going to take over the entire flock, right? Just like those parasites and those nasal bots. You've got to stop it quick. He's got to use what? His oil. A good shepherd should always have healing oil quick at hand. What's healing oil for the shepherds in the church? Spiritually, the oil in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Cloud, fire, oil, those are all Holy Spirit symbols in Scripture. 
And once a year, we have the Mass of the Sacred Chrism, where the bishop will breathe the Holy Spirit into the sacred oil, the chrism, that's going to be used for the whole year for his flock, for every healing sacrament in the church. And he breathes into it his own breath, which is the Holy Spirit, and anoints the oil for the whole year that will be used in every healing sacrament. This is a good shepherd. He's got oil for his sheep to anoint us. The breath of the Spirit of God. Here's Pope Benedict breathing the Holy Spirit into the chrism oil. Here's Pope Francis breathing the Holy Spirit into the healing chrism oil that will anoint us in the sacraments of healing. Now we have a very good shepherd in Omaha, a very good shepherd, but he needs our prayers because he's got a large flock and a big responsibility to us and to God. And he needs our help. A lot of sheep have wandered from the fold and are in danger especially if they're picked off and isolated, especially if they're under wrong teaching, if they're not under the authority that Jesus Christ gave us. Our shepherds can't go at it alone. Look at how large his flock is. He needs hirelings. He needs help. He needs us. Every baptized person is a priest, prophet, and king. Pope Paul VI said that the church exists to evangelize. Who have you brought to the flock? Who have you helped get home? Who's been lost and you help find them and bring them back and welcome them with open, loving arms? Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Well, a good shepherd always has waters, baptismal waters, ready to baptize in the scriptures at the drop of a hat. When someone has a conversion, they, they can, can I be baptized? The Ethiopian eunuch comes to mind. Waters that restore the soul. Living water that brings salvation. Also, you anoint my head with oil. What's that? That's that chrism oil that was breathed into. And, and when you were confirmed, the bishop anointed you with oil. If you smell it again, it brings back all the memories. And in that healing chrism oil of the Good Shepherd were all the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it was healing. And he says, my cup overflows. Where does that happen? At Mass. The Eucharistic wine, the blood of Christ never runs out. For centuries, we've never run out of Eucharistic wine because these good shepherds can transubstantiate by what? The power of the Holy Spirit. It's a healing sacrament for us, the sheep. He feeds us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You prepare a feast for me, a banqueting feast. A table is spread every time we go to Mass. Sheep like quiet water. They like to drink at still water. Still waters run deep. The sheep love still water. They love being watered from a well because it's even less work for them. If someone draws up the water and waters them, they like that even better. So many wells in the Middle East, many shepherds watering their flocks. They love the still water of a well. And they get very agitated when fast-moving streams come along. They don't like fast-moving water. It agitates them. <laughs> and they hate to cross deep water. Hate it. Hate it. So a good shepherd will put rocks down. He'll go pick up all these rocks and make a thing where they can ford across on rocks so they're not so scared. And But that takes a lot of energy and a lot of time for the shepherd, but that's a good shepherd. Sometimes that's not possible, and they just have to cross. And so the favored sheep get right up by the, by the shepherd, and when he goes, they go. And they don't, you know, they just trust him. And he goes, they go. But some hold back, and they're scared. And if you hold back... And you don't go, ah, they're stranded. They're on the other side going, oh, no, he's gone. I mean, they got to go. When he goes, they got to go. And if they don't, they get carried downstream. 
and, and they might make it to the side, but if they don't, he'll jump in and save them because he's a good shepherd. So the stragglers who hesitate are in trouble. And this is true. When they get over to the other side of the stream, the lambs actually start leaping with joy that they made it across. Oh, and you made it across too? And so did you? Oh, and they all run and gather together and they frolic around the shepherd. And it's like they want to express their thanks to him. Isn't that beautiful? Now this gives scriptures. There are shepherd scriptures throughout the entire Bible and it gives a new meaning because here's an Isaiah passage. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Can you see that now? So our shepherd helps us get through the deep waters of life. They're there. A good shepherd is there for his sheep. Now the Lord said to Moses to anoint Joshua. And so Moses pours what on his head? Oil. Anointing oil of what? The Holy Spirit. He's going to be a new shepherd. Jesse's son, David, was a shepherd. Usually the youngest boy in the family gets to be the shepherd. And most of these poor Middle Eastern families are farmers. And so the older sons have to move to farming duties like sowing and plowing and harvesting. And the youngest boy gets the job of being the shepherd. So Jesse had eight sons, and Samuel comes to anoint one of them king of Israel. The Lord has told him to go. He sent from God to anoint one of Jesse's sons as kings, and he says, are all your sons here? Is this all you got? And and he says, well, there's one more little one. He's out in the field. He's a shepherd. Please bring him. And that was the one. That was the one God wanted to anoint as the greatest king of all of Israel. Other shepherds of Israel from the southern kingdom of Judah, these lucky shepherds that were in the region keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you glad tidings of great news for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It's going to be a sign. You'll find a child wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great multitude of angels in the sky. Can you imagine these shepherds out in the middle of nowhere? Podunk Bethlehem. Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth. Peace among those whom he favors. You shepherds among those that he favors. I'm going to show you something tonight. The face of God. You're going to be the first to see him. And they go. Just as the angel said he was there. The light of Christ. The light of the world had entered. And these poor, dirty, unclean, richly unclean. They couldn't wash. They couldn't do all the Jewish laws. They couldn't keep them all out in the field. That's who God chose to show himself to first of all people on the face of the earth, these shepherds. God had a great love for these humble young men, and he showed his face to them first of all humanity other than his parents. Can you imagine being there that night and being a lowly shepherd? My, would you have a story to tell? And shepherds have always been just loved in art. Some of the first paintings in the catacombs, this is at St. Callistus outside of Rome, the Good Shepherd. This image is all over Rome. And this statue is all over Rome, the Good Shepherd. Now, Jesus says tonight, very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. That was part one of the Gospel of John, chapter 10, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible studies, visit seekingtruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.